Well, we've all been there. We've all sat around a table or a bar or fire pit or wherever you hang out with your friends. And we've had this amazing idea that we do something as a friend. Now, should we buy a house with a group of friends and there's seven people? We're going to talk about it. This sounds like a scenario from hell. My name's Glenn James and you're listening to my Millennial Daily. All right, John, Josh wrote in, buying investment properties with a group of people, e.g. seven mates have come together and want to buy a property. Most are sole traders and homeowners already, forming a trust to buy said property. All right, as I said in the opening, this sounds like a freaking recipe for disaster, but you know there are times where the planets do align, so we're not going to just throw everything out. What are you initially thinking with this one? First thought that came to mind was they're sitting around a bar and they're going to buy a racehorse. Yeah. That's <laughs> a classic racehorse story. I think it's fraught with danger. Like, personally, would I do it? No. Do people do it? Absolutely. I think, for me, the number seven freaks me out. There's mm. just too many variables. There's too many what-ifs, like change of situations, new partners, getting married, want to buy their own home, have to sell out of that joint venture or venture that they're in. So... Put it this way, you need a very good solicitor to draw up an agreement to cater for, for seven people and potentially 14 if they all have a partner. Um, it's just a lot of variables that can can make this turn pear shape. Um, and and the, the question when I talk to people about doing a joint venture, which is really what this is, is, is why can't you do it alone? What mm. do you need that you haven't got? Is it servicing? Uh, the ability to borrow money from the banks or is it deposits? Do we need seven people? Is it just that we've got this WhatsApp group with seven people in it that all said, yeah, let's go and buy a property? Uh, yeah, I mean, if you want to buy property with other people, just invest in a unlisted property trust yeah. or a listed property trust, a REIT, real estate investment trust. I mean, because yeah. so that's to, what they're creating. That's they're, right. See, I see this with the amount of people. It's like you're creating an unlisted property trust. Yeah. And that's what it is. And if they're developing that property, for example, who takes charge of that? Like in these type of arrangements, we've all got to have equal say. And that often creates more complications than not. But if uh, you and I grabbed five others and and said, right, Glenn and John are taking charge of this Mm. little syndicate. Do you want to invest in it? Yeah. Mm. There's a problem because if if it all goes pear-shaped, who are they coming for? And the thing that just... You know, you do the, you'd probably use a unit trust, I'd imagine, not yep. a discretionary trust. So each person would have a share of the units. Each person, their sole traders, I would imagine your lawyer or solicitor would want to talk to you about having a discretionary family trust, own mm. the units in the unit trust. And I don't want to get yeah. too complex with the structure here, but I mean, lending with seven incomes that are assessed. I mean, I I think it's a a non-starter to start with. And I think Josh, you know, if the horse is bolted, well, good luck to you guys. But I just think anyone thinking about doing this stuff, keep it clean because it only takes one relationship breakdown to need the trust or their share or a change of circumstances Mm. to be liquidated. And if there isn't enough liquidity in the trust 
an asset needs to be sold to pay out one person. Yeah, that's right. And and we obviously don't know Josh's and the group's plan is that how many properties may you want to buy over the journey? Like you've said, buy a property, but is it is it going to stop at that? I think you buy one, it's like, oh, this is cool. Let's let's go and do more. And all of a sudden it gets complicated before before your eyes. But being all sole traders and homeowners, I think there's two things there. Uh, what type of businesses are we all in? Check each other's financials. Like mm. if one business goes under, and, and one of these guys is a, di- a director of this property or, or this ownership structure, then is the whole seven at risk there? Yeah, yeah. Um, are we using equity from our own home to, to mm. contribute? Yeah. I, I personally wouldn't. Yeah. We'll take a break and we'll come back and actually make some assumptions that Mercury and Venus have aligned and what we would do to do this. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Okay, so let's assume, because I've had clients who are legitimately wealthy from their businesses, well-established, and they've got families and kids and, you know, the planets have aligned. So, in the perfect world, you'd want to probably do this, and maybe because there is seven, maybe they're all cash-heavy, maybe they're like, we'll all throw a hundred grand in, how about that? So, number one, I'd probably be looking at doing this if everyone is well-established, everyone's partner is on board with it and we're cash flowing it, no mortgage. Number two, there's probably an argument, like you said, to have somebody as the key contact, the key person. So we're talking the, the one who does the admin of the entity. You'd really want to have the same accountant across all seven people and the entity, or it's just going to slow things down and cost more. So that's another consideration. But as John said at the top, you just want to have a clear buy-sell agreement that is in there. So if someone wants to exit the trust, there has to be a minimum seven months notice or whatever that is, 12-month notice, or there is a rule of thumb that you know the trust always has one-seventh of the asset value, each asset that it buys in liquid cash. I don't know, but... Yeah. You know, if it is done, it just needs to be done the right way. Yeah, and and in some cases, it starts to border on needing an Australian financial services license, doesn't it? When you're talking so many people, and if one person is making the decisions. Yeah. So, look, it's a it's a great one to chew on and chat. You've been real. I've been Glenn, and this is my Millennial Daily. Thanks, John. We'll see you next week. My Millennial Daily is produced by My Millennial Money. Also available on Spotify. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 